0: All right. Good morning once again. It's uh, about time for us to begin our our Bible class here in the auditorium. Thankful you're here this morning. It seems this class is getting bigger and bigger every week, so that's great. And uh, we love the opportunity uh, to study uh, the life of Christ together as we have been. And I know we've got some visitors here with us this morning. And so we're thankful that you're able to stay around with us as well. Just kind of give you a glimpse as to what we've been doing. We took on this Life of Christ challenge uh, for the year 2022 uh, through resource publications, which is the work of the church. And uh, we are going through the Life of Christ uh, basically in chronological order in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we started all the way back in January. And so we are in lesson number 69 this morning. Uh, 69 out of 129. So you can see that we've still got quite a ways to go. This is going to take us into 2023. Uh, We're doing it every Sunday and Wednesday evening, and so uh, it's quite the the um, the study. But I am very much enjoying it, just to to get uh, you know some of these things. We might hear you know a passage of scripture uh, all our lives, but we don't really necessarily understand where it fits into Jesus's life. And so this. Is especially helping me in that, and hopefully it's helping with you as well. This morning's lesson, you know, we, we've been looking at this aspect of giving uh, last week and this week, and just as things uh, line up, uh, we have another lesson on giving here uh, this morning in again in lesson uh, sixty nine. But let's let's back up to where we were. Uh, Wednesday evening in Lesson 68, and we looked at uh, the beginning of Luke chapter 12. Oh, and if you're you're following along in the Bible, we'll be in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13 uh, through 34. Or again, if you have the curriculum and you just want to follow along in that, this is Lesson 69. But last week's lesson, we looked at Jesus um, warning the people about the Pharisees, uh, about the Pharisees, and... He starts off by saying, you know, beware of the hypocrisy or beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And we talked a lot about, you know, what is hypocrisy and you know, what is leaven? You know, why does the Bible often use leaven uh, as a, a way of uh, telling us of how fast things can spread? Uh, obviously, you put a leaven in, in, a, in dough and it's going to spread throughout that dough And uh, we understand that things work the same way within the church. You know, if you've got something happening over in this corner of the church, and if it's not taken care of, it can spread and grow. And so leaven is often used in a negative sense within Scripture uh, as to the the powerful influence. And Jesus is using that to talk about these Pharisees, these individuals who are having a negative influence on the people. You know, they were people who were very outwardly uh, conscious Right. The look at my long robes. Look at my phylactri. Phylact- well, I can't even say the word today. Phylacterys. I can't. I... Phylacteries. Okay, I'm having a moment here this morning. That uh, you know, look at my long robes. Look at my long prayers. Look at my. Uh, look at my giving. You know, listen to how loud it sounds when I throw it into the uh, treasury. Um, you know, I'm blowing my trumpet when I do those things. Uh, I love those respectful greetings in the marketplaces. You know, when, if you're a Pharisee, you expect the people to come up to you and basically, you know, hey, how you doing? Uh, you know, uh, giving you all this honor and stuff. And so they love those things. They love the outward uh, things. And But uh, Jesus went on to say in that lesson, again, you know, everything that is uh, covered is going to be revealed one day. Everything. That uh, you said in secret is going to be shouted from the rooftops. And so beware of this leaven of hypocrisy. Don't be like these, uh, these Pharisees who outwardly they look like they care for you. They look like they're religious individuals, but inwardly uh, they're out to you know devour widows' homes. And they're out to, um, again, look for... Uh, Binding their man-made rules onto you, and so uh, beware of them. And then he said, "Beware, or beware of the one who you should fear." Right? He said, "Don't don't be concerned with them uh, who can only you know they can only harm your body. But the one that you should fear is the one who can harm both body and soul." Right? Don't let them intimidate you. And he goes on to say how much that you know God cares for them. You know he's, talks about those five sparrows being sold for two cents and you know we talked about the uh the aspect that you know in Matthew's account uh at one point Jesus said that you know you could buy two sparrows for a penny and here in Luke he says you can buy five sparrows for two pennies and the the math doesn't necessarily add up right there right one one uh two sparrows for one five for two but you sort of get a bogo sparrow uh, Jesus is saying here in Luke uh Chapter 12. And, you know, God even cares for that sparrow, that sparrow that He's giving away for free. And so He cares for you. He knows every hair that's on your head. So don't fear the Pharisees. Don't fear their intimidation. And then He finished that section off by talking about beware of denying God, right? Confess Him before men, Jesus said, and I'll confess you before the Father. Confess me before men, and I'll confess you before the Father. And and then He went on to say, You know, talking about how the the Pharisees were basically they were blaspheming, you know, the Holy Spirit. They were um, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and Jesus outright says there in that verse that you know that's a sin that's going to be that would be unforgivable if you're going to deny uh, God's word. Uh, He says, you know, say what you will about me, but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you cannot be forgiven of that, um, of that sin. So again, just kind of the emphasis of that lesson Wednesday night was don't fear the tactics of these Pharisees. Remember Jesus just had lunch with the Pharisee and he's dealing with the people about the Pharisees. And we are again in Luke chapter 12 right now, looking at verses 13 through 34. And uh, and then uh, Wednesday evening, we'll finish the book of Luke. Uh, with the the following uh, verses, I guess, 35 through the end of Luke chapter 12. But as we get into today's lesson, again, uh, here we go again, another lesson on giving. I told you, the Bible's filled with these uh, parables that Jesus gives on uh, stewardship and giving, and it's all over the place, and it just so happens that we have another one in front of us uh, this morning. Think of this question, as the curriculum wants to point out. Um, many, of us want to be, um, many of us want to be successful in life, right? Maybe in a professional sense. We want to be successful. Aren't you glad that we live in a capitalistic society? Is that a good thing? That we can you know, open businesses and we, that we can travel the world and that we can... Um, you know, have these. We we can have things as long as you know we don't put those before God, and that's the point we're going to get to today. But there's nothing wrong with that, right? There, there's nothing wrong with wanting to uh, make a living, and uh, and that's the lesson today. Is we're going to notice the this life of this very successful businessman slash farmer here in Luke chapter 12. So again, let, let's remember the context. Of where we are. Jesus is in Judea. Again, this is the southern portion of, um, of Palestine, of Israel. This is where Jerusalem is located. Uh, we're about six months away from the crucifixion. And he's getting his, uh, he sent his apostles out, or excuse me, the 70 out, the other uh, class period that we studied to prepare this area for Jesus as he comes in here. Uh, he just had this uh, lunch with the Pharisee. And Luke chapter 12, Uh, told told us that he was surrounded by thousands of individuals uh, there in verse one. Remember, he's being surrounded by thousands of people that have gathered together, and they're stepping on one another, trying to uh, listen to what Jesus has to say. And again, he just finished talking about uh, what they needed to know about the Pharisees and how much he loved them and how they could gain eternal life. Um, But now, a man is gonna speak up. A man is gonna speak up out of the crowd and this is going to be a little frustrating for Jesus. Uh, let's notice this, verse uh, 13 through 15 here in Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware, And be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. So how do you think that that statement made Jesus feel that uh, that this man speaks up and says, you know, uh, tell my brother to split split the inheritance? How do you think that made Jesus feel? How would how would that make you feel? Jesus is teaching on some pretty deep subjects, isn't he? Uh, He's he's wanting to get to the heart of the people. And yet this man uh, speaks up and says, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Do you think the message that Jesus had got through to that individual? It didn't, did it? Uh, That must have been a little frustrating to Jesus that he's, Um, You know, he's preaching the sermon to the people and a man interrupts him and wants Jesus to act as a judge, an arbitrator between him and his brother. Again, uh, the message must not have been penetrating that man's heart. And Jesus even rebukes the man there uh, in verse uh, 14. Man who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you. And so Jesus is going to take that and he's going to springboard into this lesson uh, of this parable that we often refer to as the rich fool, uh, the rich fool, and again, you can see uh, as we've talked about these past couple of weeks that this is a reoccurring theme in Scripture of lessons regarding materialism and greed. You know, this apparently what was on the mind of the people. Uh, it wasn't the the message that Jesus was trying to get across, but it was. Okay, Jesus is in front of me, here's, here's a man who says he's from God, and the thing that I'm going to ask him is, help me decide, or, or help me you know, finish this dispute between me and my brother about our inheritance. And so, um, that is what Jesus is going to springboard into his lesson here. Uh, he says there, again in verse 15, he says, uh, For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. You know, Or one translation says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I know I've used this illustration before, but uh, has anyone ever seen a hearst pulling a U-Haul? No, we, we've never seen that, have we? Because, you know, we cannot take uh, those things uh, with us. We can't take it with us. And that's actually a biblical concept. Uh, Paul said, First uh, Timothy and I'm going to read a couple of passages in First Timothy here this morning. But in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, Paul said, For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Again, you know, that's a, that's a biblical concept that, you know, you can't take it with you. You know, again, we, we've uh, you know, seen maybe those bumper stickers that say, um, you know, he who has the most wins or something like that. But how... How false are those messages out there? You just can't take it with you. And let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this. Just kind of think back in your minds of you know, maybe the past you know, 50, 100, 150 years, you know, maybe in the United States as a nation. And do you think lessons on materialism and greed are more needed in today's society than they were you know, 150, 200 years ago? I would say, yeah. I mean, they're obviously, they're they're good for any time period. But, you know, we live in an age where, you know, we can pretty much get anything we want whenever we want, right? Uh, You've ever heard of Amazon, I'm sure, right? Just with a click of a button or uh, even with, you you know, coming from the pandemic, you know, we think of grocery stores like Walmart that, you know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and my wife's shopping are uh, doing our grocery list in the middle of the night, you know, and then all she has to do is push a button and the, the next day she'll drive to the parking lot and they'll bring it right out to her, right? We live in a society where uh, we can get whatever we want whenever we want. And so these lessons uh, that we see throughout scripture, um, materialism and greed, I think are very much needed in today's world. And so let's, let's look what Jesus has to say here, uh, starting in verse 16 through 21. Again, here's this parable that he gives of the rich fool. Jesus says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. Okay, so we have this man. Uh, he's, you know, we'd refer to him as a farmer. We'd refer to him as a businessman. And, uh, you know, what are some what are some positive positive aspects of this man in the parable? What do you see besides being successful at what he did? Okay, yeah, I mean, we could say, you know, we don't see anywhere that Jesus is accusing him of being greedy or immoral or selfish. So uh, we could say that. Do we see Jesus saying anything about, um, you know, he received his, um, his abundance, his wages, uh, honestly or dishonestly? We don't see that either. What about the statement where it says that his land was very productive? What, 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 what comes to mind to you when you read that? Now, I know it could, it could have meant that, you know, maybe just God blessed them that year with uh, much more rain uh, or temperatures wise but what else could you think about that? He understood the work that it required. Okay, maybe he put in... Uh, a lot of maintenance, a lot of hard work to uh, have a productive crop this year. So again, th- there's another good aspect of this man. Uh, it seems like he was uh, an educated individual. right? He gave himself his own, his own advice. right? So there's a lot of positives we see about this individual. He was a planner, too. Uh, he was a planner. <laughs> and so why, why did God then consider him... A fool. Why did he condemn him in this instance? Was it because he was successful? No, not because he was successful, but why? So. Selfish. Somebody else said something? Did he have his priorities right? He's only thinking of himself. He says I. Okay, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, good point. But um, he's, he's, he's self-centered, right? He's only thinking of himself. Uh, he, he doesn't have the right priorities. Uh, going back to this aspect of, uh, you know, of this man being a successful businessman, does the scriptures teach that money is the root of all evil? Right? The, the love of money, right? It's not money in of itself, but it's the love of money that Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, is the root of all sorts of evil. So again, uh, it wasn't that this man, um, that because he was successful, that God is condemning him. But it was because of his priorities uh, that we just read there. It was because he said to himself, soul, you know, take your ease. Uh, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Eat, drink, and be merry. And it appears that he doesn't got God in mind here at all. He's not giving God the glory for these blessings. And so, again, we might ask ourselves, is it wrong to build (laughs) more barns and to be successful? And again, absolutely not. Um, But it is wrong, you know, it is wrong if you judge your success in life by what you possess. That's what Jesus is getting through. Uh, Does anyone here watch the show (laughs) American Pickers. Have you seen that show? Yeah, I love that show. I love watching it. I love watching reruns of that show. But if, if you're not familiar with that show, there's these two guys, Mike and Frank, and they're driving all around the country uh, looking for places to pick. And what I mean by that is, you know, they go in and look for old antiques or, or places that you might not normally stop, you know, because there's a lot of maybe like old cars out in front of the, the house. But they loved stopping at those places, and they go, and they'll knock on the door and talk to someone and say, you know, can I come in and look and see what you got to possibly buy? And uh, and you watch those shows, and some of these people, they just have so much stuff. It's amazing. Uh, they open up their, their barns, and they just have, you know, all of this amazing stuff, but When they bring, you know, usually when they bring a Mike and Frank to a home to pick through, you know, what are some of the top reasons why they do that? Think of, you know, one of the reasons is usually, you know, the owner dies and so, um, you know, all of this stuff is now for sale and so, hey, they come on in and do look at that stuff or maybe they need some quick cash and so they invite. The guys to come and again pick through their stuff, but usually, one of the usually the main reason I see time and time again of, of why they invite them over is because they've got some stuff that maybe they're not they're done playing with, and so uh, if they can sell that now they'll have some more cash to you know buy some more toys, right? and that kind of seems to be the theme of a lot of people on that show. Uh, they want more possessions. They want. Different possessions, right? And so if we're going to judge our life, our success in life by our possessions, you know, God says here, Jesus says here, that we are wrong. If we're worried about laying up our treasures uh, on earth rather than heaven, again, we're wrong. If we're worried about our earthly possessions and not being rich towards God, Jesus says we're wrong. So uh, let, let's notice some of the mistakes here of the rich fool. Uh, you know, first first thing we could say is again that he lacked a sense of values. Right? He he's living for himself. Uh, he's more worried about making a living than making a life. Uh, he was more worried about his riches than his true purpose, serving God. Uh, let's notice another passage in First Timothy, uh, chapter six. I wanted to read verses nine and ten, and this time around. Uh, But notice what Paul says here. 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 9. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Okay, so... Again, he lacked a sense of values. Right? He, he loved uh, his possessions more than God. And even Paul says here that when we do that, we, we'll, you know, we're going to wander away from the faith. And we're going to pierce ourselves with many griefs. Because uh, stuff is number one in our life. And this man had a lot of stuff. And, you know, he, again, he tore down his older barns, smaller barns, to build these much bigger ones that he could possess these things. Um, you know, in that reading there of 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 and 10, does that sound like the trap that the rich man fell into? I think so, right? Have you ever, you ever heard the definition of materialism that you might see sometimes out there where it'll say you know, materialism. It's buying things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. Right? And that's true, isn't it? Uh, that a lot of times we will, again, spend money on things, again, that we don't need. And we do that because we are trying to maybe keep an image and we want to impress people. And a lot of times we get in trouble doing that by uh, spending money that we don't have. right? And... Um, Matthew chapter. There's another passage in here that we wanted to read real quick. Matthew six, verses nineteen and twenty. Uh, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Again, you know that's that's the problem here with this man. Is he he does not appear to have God in focus. Uh, it's only on obtaining more, and uh, one preacher said about this kind of the sum up this uh, lesson is that uh, this man tried to get all he can and can all he got, and I guess if reference can all he got as in you know canning uh, his uh, his produce there. But get all you can and can all you get. You know that was the the philosophy of this man. And that was a mistake. And the second mistake we see of this rich man again—we've already mentioned this—but that we, we we noticed that this man was uh, sort of selfish and self-centered. When we read, and uh, you know, Angela already brought this up, but what was that word that we kept, or two words that we kept reading over and over again uh, in that passage? I, I, and me, right, or my, right? That pronoun. I think if you count it up, it comes up 12 different times. Um, Starting there in uh, verse 17, you know, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Uh, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will store up all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, uh, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be Mary, striving for wealth can cause what in this context? Eternal okay. Or, I have yeah, yeah, all those uh, th- greed. Greed, right? It, causing. Um, to think of only oneself, right? Um, have you ever heard the acronym JOY before? You know, J O Y: Jesus first, others second, yourselves last. Have you ever heard that before? Um, you know, that's that's pretty uh, pretty accurate, right? That um, we need to put Jesus first, others second, and maybe ourselves uh, last in some sense. Uh, but striving for wealth, you know, can cause us to think only of ourselves. And that's what we see in this man here. Uh, my barns, uh, my grain, uh, these were all his, right? None of this was God's. None of this was because of God or was God's, but it was all his. And he says this over and over again. And I like what the, um, it says there in the curriculum that uh, wealth should not only be enjoyed, but it should be employed, Right, to help others. And so that was a good um, a message there. The third thing we notice about this rich fool is that he thought he could provide for his soul with material things. Can we do that? That's tough, right? But again, verse 19. Um, I say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Can we nourish our soul with physical food? We can't, can we? we? We need to do that from Scripture, right? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, the bread. Uh, your, your word is the bread of life. And so, um, again, we need to understand that we can't provide uh, or we can't uh, ease our souls by these physical things. Have you ever heard someone say, you know, if I just had a better job or made more money, then I would be happier in this life? I, uh, we might have heard that. Maybe we've said that ourselves, but um, let's go back to First Timothy chapter six, and notice uh, what Paul said here in verses six through eight, uh, because he's going to tell us not to fall into that trap. First Timothy chapter six, starting in verse six. Uh, writes, or excuse me, Paul writes, uh, "But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment." For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. I like that first verse that we read, verse 6. For we have brought nothing, or excuse me, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Are we to be content in this life with what we have? We are, aren't we? You know, that's, that's uh, you know, really what Paul was getting at in Philippians chapter 4. You remember that passage? They said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Well, if we push back a couple of verses, you know, he's talking about being content uh, in this life. And he says there in First Timothy chapter 6 that godliness uh, is contentment. Right? It's not things, but it's living a godly life. And that's what we need to strive for. And then finally, let's notice one more thing. Uh, another mis- the final mistake that we notice here is that uh, he thought he had a lease on life. Right, he-, he thought he had a lease on life. Uh, he thought what? That he had plenty more years to live on, didn't he? I have many goods laid up for many years to come. And too many of us, again, we fall into that trap that, you know, we're, we're going to live till we're 70, 80 years old and we've got plenty of time. But do we know that for sure? We don't, do we? And perhaps if we understood that, you know, we'd take advantage of more opportunities. Again, let's look at one more uh, verse. Well, this verse is in James uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. James reminds us. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. So again, we've got this this rich man who's got everything that he needs. He's setting it up for years to come. Yet what happens to him that very night? God came to him, didn't he? And said, your soul is required of you. And uh, what happens to all those things left in that barn? Well, We don't know, but it's not his, right? He's not going to be taking it with him. And so... um, Again, we've got to remember that aspect of of life, that it's fleeting, it's fading. We don't know uh, when we're going to pass from this life. We don't know if Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. And so we make sure that we're living for God and not living for things. And uh, we're not going to take the time to read verses uh, 22 through 34, because this is really um, Jesus preaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, once again, we've already spent a lot of time reading uh, back you know, a couple months ago on the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of this information in verses 22 through 34 uh, is the same things that he preached a few years ago in that lesson. And so uh, if you want to take the time to read that, uh, you can. Uh, but again, it's a lot of things that he's already preached there before. But just sort of wrapping up our thoughts here this morning, again, we definitely or we desperately need these lessons taught, again, in, the, in this uh, society that we live in, uh, because we live in a society where people, again, are obsessed with things. And again, I, I think back to, you know, maybe when my grandparents would have been my, or be, would have been, you know, children, and just to think that, you know, maybe they only had a handful of things uh, in their possession, you know, maybe couple of toys and a couple of outfits, right? And then to where we are today, where we just uh, have so much stuff, right? Sometimes we have to uh, rent out uh, storage facilities to hold all that stuff. And it's just a whole different ballgame uh, from us today to, you know, even when Jesus was preaching these things. And so again, these are very uh, powerful lessons that we need to um, keep in mind today that uh, It's not that what we possess in this life, but that uh, the life we possess, that's what uh, is meaningful. Uh, I wanted to read you a quick poem uh, real quickly. Uh, It's very short, but I thought it was pretty powerful. And it went like this. One by one, he took them from me, all the things I valued most, until I was empty-handed. Every glittering toy was lost. And I walked earth's highway, grieving In my rags and poverty, till I heard his voice inviting, lift those empty hands to me. So I held my hands toward heaven, and he filled them with a store of his own transcendent riches till they could contain no more. And at last I comprehended with my stupid mind and dull that God could not pour his riches into hands already full. Are our hands full this morning? Are, are we content with what we have, or are we looking for more? Right, like the, the parable of the rich fool. You know, Christians give up things that they cannot keep in this life in order to lay hold of things that we cannot lose. Right, and uh, and we've got to keep that in mind as we go throughout this life that we can't let stuff you know fill our hearts like in the the parable of the sower. You know, that 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 thorny soil. Uh, accumulating stuff. It was so much so that it choked out God's word from the, the person's heart. And so we cannot uh, fall into that trap. Again, let me read that one more time. Christians give up things they cannot keep in order to lay hold on things that they cannot lose. I think that's a powerful statement that we will uh, end here with that. So appreciate everyone this morning. Uh, being with us uh, again Wednesday, we'll finish the book of Luke, uh, chapter 12. We'll finish Luke 12:35 through 48. So I'm looking forward to that study, uh, talking about getting ready for uh, Jesus' return. And so we'll look at that Wednesday evening. And then uh, Brother Jason's going to have our closing prayer for us at this time. Let us pray.